Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. It is Sunday, which can mean only one thing. It is time for the latest episode of the Big Cruise Podcast. And this one, my friends, is episode 175. Always a great pleasure to be with you each and every week. My name is Baz, and I'm just one of your hosts, and uh, shortly Chris will be joining us. Yes, he is back, and uh, we can't wait to start talking all things cruise. Uh, little shout-out and thank you, uh, fellows, who are continuing to send in the questions. They are landing all the time. Greatly appreciated, and we're going to try and weave uh, at least one of those into today's show, which will get underway in uh, in just a second. So, uh, in fact, let's do it. Let's turn on uh, the microphone for Chris. Let's start talking all things cruise. Enjoy the show. <laughs> And he is back in Australia, he's on land, and he's back with us here online, ready to talk all things cruise, mate. Good to have you back. Barry, it's nice to actually be recording in a, in a live environment again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did well. You sent some great audio across from the ship, and then, of course, we had your little uh, wrap-up that you sent uh, kindly from the airport hotel on your way home last week, so thanks for yeah. that. Yeah, no, it was, it, was, it was nice that you can weave those in, but it's not quite the same as having, having a good old chat each week, is it? <laughs> No, no. <laughs> but we're, I think we're both around for at least the next week or two, I think, before uh, we uh, seem to go our different ways again. But we'll, we'll make it work. Yeah, we might do some, some pre-recorded content so that we keep things going whilst we're both away because I know you're traveling too. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Um, now, whilst you're away, I'm sure you probably listened to last week's episode. Rick in uh, North America sent in a, a great question. Uh, Hi, it's Rick, uh, listening in Houston, Texas, to your podcast. And my question is about all things shore power. I can't tell whether you're saying co-dining or co-dining. Are you saying co-dining, uh, cooperative dynamo generation with the ship and the shore? Or is it just simply cold ironing? These diesel engines are made of iron and they get cold because they can shut down. Save the bays. Um, 
I've talked to you guys when you're on the podcast all the time. This time you can hear me. Looking forward to hearing if you can answer. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, you're right. It's, it's cold ironing. Um, and this refers obviously to when a, a ship uh, connects to shoreside power um, and as a result of that can switch off its um, internal engine system. Um, and the, the term itself um, refers to, um, as I think you alluded last week, Baz, it refers to the, um, the engines themselves going cold. Now, of, because they're, they're no longer active. So engines these days aren't made out of iron, but the the old engines were. So um, mm. cold ironing meant that the big old iron engines that powered these ships were were, were de- you know, switched off for a period of time and therefore um, cooled down because they would get quite warm <laughs> operating with, uh, with steam and that sort of thing. Now, yeah. cold ironing is becoming more and more popular around the world. Um, connecting ships to shoreside power is, is one... Um, way that the ports particularly around the world are trying to reduce the particulates that go into the mm-hmm. um, atmosphere in those ports and as a result um, cruise ships uh, you'll notice you'll notice more and more cruise ships are starting to take up that technology um, and this is usually achieved by having large uh, cables basically plugged into a into a connector on board the ship that allow it to draw power from the from the main grid mm-hmm. um, you know the cruise lines talk a lot about the green credentials of this. In theory, if the um, power, the electricity, is coming from uh, renewable sources, then yes, when the ship is alongside, it can be uh, relatively carbon friendly. Um, in many ports around the world, particularly many of those of them in Australia, for example, that electricity is being generated by coal. So there is still a um, significant carbon footprint for that, mm-hmm. but it's um, it does reduce the the emissions of uh, diesel fumes and and the sulfur and the particulates from the, the ship's engines from being uh, emitted in a city centre. So there yeah. is a sort of environmental benefit in the local area when it comes to that as well. Yeah, and we are seeing more and more places or ports announcing that they're sourcing uh, their electricity for this purpose from uh, from green sources, aren't we? So I'm sure we'll yes. see more and more as time, uh, as time passes. Absolutely. I think that's just a global trend now that uh, – as the the price of um, renewables becomes increasingly more competitive against that of fossil fuels, you will start to see that transition accelerate. Awesome, Chris. Now, uh, just a reminder, folks, if you do want to send in a question, you can do it in two ways. You can either type it into the website or you can leave a voice message. Both of those are available on the, the Big Cruise Podcast website. Just head across to thebigcruisepodcast.com, click on either join the show or the microphone and do exactly what Rick did there with his uh, question. Thank you so much, Rick, as well, for using that that uh, feature. It's always fun to hear. Like the last two episodes have been really great because we've heard from from listeners directly, and it's so nice to hear people talking back, you know. <laughs> mm. And from all over the world as well, which is great. Yeah, it was really cool. The, the previous episode I, I listened to on board uh, uh, Queen Victoria, and you had uh, a number of people um, leaving leaving messages to, to answer the quiz question, and that was a lot yep. of fun. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Yep. Now, um, I haven't pre-warned you with this at all, but I have a fact from fiction. Are you up for it? Um, well, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one actually came in via, from the listener, Ian. He sent it in uh, via the website. He typed this one in. Fact or fiction? Fact or fiction? Mm-hmm. The Celebrity Edge class of ships are the only ships in the Celebrity fleet with the infinite verandas. Fact or fiction? Ah. Ooh, that's a good one. Um... 
so having just been on board edge they talked it up a, they talked it up a lot um mm-hmm. as if it was a feature of the edge class ships but i am aware that some of the other ships um have had refurbishments so i wonder if you know this the solstice class i, I don't think had infinite verandas but they have just been given pretty lengthy refit so i wonder if they have like a variant of that that's been built onto the solstice class um mm, what are you gonna go with oh i've got a perfect record too i think so i don't want to ruin it <laughs> um, <laughs> let's go with cutting this section out of the show <laughs> um i'm going to say that it's fact the f- true infinite veranda is only on the edge class Oh no! Nope. <laughs> was I along the right track before? <laughs> uh, kind of ish. Um, I would have got part of this, but not all of it. So okay. uh, there are two other ships with um, infinite verandas. The first one is Celebrity Flora, which okay. is a purpose-built ship for the Galapagos, a nice, small, intimate uh, vessel. Of um, she has them. Yeah. And Celebrity Constellation, also fondly referred to as Connie, has a single cabin on Deck 7 that was part of the trial prior to the launch of the Edge Class series. Well, there you go. Well done. Well done to you. Who, who, gave that, who sent that one in? That one came in from Ian uh, by the website. Ian. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for, for ruining my record, Ian. <laughs> uh, very well done. Congratulations. <laughs> cool. Uh, um, I like the current veranda, actually. I thought it was great. I've, I've seen a lot of reviews online that, cr- that criticize it, but we actually, we actually thought it was quite, quite great. So, um, you know, the, the ability to have the cabin space yeah, available for any, you yeah. during the day when we had some rain and we could we could still sit there on the in the kind of conservatory area and then when when needed you could open the open the door. Um, mm-hmm. It was great. I suppose it's one of those things that it's great when it works and when when the um, if the motor stops then it's not so good. <laughs> yeah, no fair play. Now, mate, we've got quite a lot of cruise news to get through. Um, have you got anything you want to share first? Have you got any new videos or anything that's on the horizon that we need to uh, tell the good listeners about? Yeah, so I mean. We've done a few videos whilst um, I've been away. One is all about um, Queen Anne's Sea Trials. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my YouTube channel has been quite Cunard-centric recently because of the travel and, the, and Queen Anne announcements. So um, for anyone who's, who's not into Cunard, I, I will be resuming normal transmissions soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I actually also did one um, from on board the Queen Victoria of just going through the different signature spaces on board the ship that I shared across the Cunard fleet. and many of them actually have their origins with QE2. They don't date back to the original ah. queens or back to the yeah. old heritage of the company. They actually were all created, many of them were created on, on board QE2. In fact, all of the Cunard signature spaces today um, have, have origins with, with QE2 from the 1960s. So um, there's a little sort of six-minute video tour where we walk through the different parts of the ship and sort of point out which which areas came from from QE2 in terms of inspiration. Um, and I'm currently working on a on a full tour of regatta for Oceania Cruises, oh. um, which will be up in the next week. So, yeah. Look forward to it. Awesome and, news. You know, reading ahead on this cruise news, um, there's, a, there's a bit of a – recently there's been a bit of a theme in our part of the world of um, cruise lines who have arrived with great um, expectations and intentions. Um, you know, uh, amending or, or cancelling their their Australian seasons or shortening them, um, and so from a bit of a maritime he- um, history perspective, um, oh, yeah. this is not 
uh, it's, it's obviously very disappointing, but it's not uh, a new phenomenon in Australia, which is actually quite a hard market to crack. And I know mm-hmm. you'll, you'll know this from your history working in, yep. um, travel, in travel and that sort of thing. But, you know, Australia has, as a cruise market, been offering local planned scheduled cruises for over 90 years. Yeah. Um, and even even some ad hoc cruising well before that. But um, the, the first player in the market was P&O to do mm-hmm. regular cruising, followed a day later by um, Orient Line. So, and they were <laughs> so basically the same company um, in, the, in the end. But um, they, they've, they've consistently offered year-round cruising every year with the exception of interruptions during the war, World War II, and also um, COVID, mm-hmm. um, and are like, truly australian based we obviously have regular cruising from carnival here as well but in the in the 1980s um the, the dominant player that even challenged p&o was sitmar mm-hmm. uh, with the fair star and this made p&o's efforts to to um leverage their Oriana in the market the first Oriana, um very challenging because she was an old converted ocean liner she was quite big uh, Fairstar was much smaller at a lower price point, so Fairstar became this dominant player in the in the market in the eighties and into the nineties. When interestingly enough, P and O acquired Sitmar Cruises and mm-hmm. brought it into the P and O fold. Um, and throughout the nineties, many many different brands tried to get a foothold into Australia. And so you you, you might not know, but um, Cunard uh, had a joint venture with Crown Cruise Lines and brought the Cunard Crown Monarch here for. Um, what was going to be several seasons of Australian-based cruising, and that that fell over in 1994, and um, she she left. And in fact, we were booked as a family on the Crown Monarch. And uh, when that can- cancellation happened, ah. the company rebooked us on QE2, which is what started my my maritime history <laughs> passion. <laughs> meant to be, um, meant to be. And and Norwegian Cruise Lines actually also had a, had a joint a joint venture here in Australia with um a, a, they, it was called Norwegian Capricorn Cruise Lines, um and they they actually brought one of the NCL ships um, into the Australian market. I think it was Norwegian Star, um, mm-hmm. if I'm remem- remembering correctly. And she operated cruises out of out of Australia for for a few years, and then that um, a f- few seasons rather than that than that pulled out as well, um, because it was just a really difficult market to to get into. A, a combination of Australians' unwillingness to pay gratuity in a local mm-hmm. in local market, the the US um, US or foreign um, exchange rates that made it difficult for for ship on board sales um and, and of course P&O was based in, in AUD Australian dollars um and, and uh and just the logistics of having a cruise ship base based here and now the market's sort of matured so much um I think people thought that that sort of trend um has has gone away but we've seen you know recently um Cunard's not bringing Queen Elizabeth back for another season after its after its final final season here later this year we've got mm-hmm. some cruise news coming up about ships that are that are pulling out of the market and um it's just interesting to see that it's still a still a bit of a tough nut to nut to crack and and even though there's lots of other reasons that are being cited as to why these ships are are leaving our waters i think that the the locality and the fact that it's quite isolated from the rest of the world does make it a harder case in some cases for yeah. cruise lines to to commit um, where, whereas the homegrown line P and O, and of course Carnival, is based here year round, that they can actually sort of really get a good stronghold in the market because they don't have to worry about where they reposition their ships to so much. Yeah, no, exactly. No, good, good little reminder. I forgot about some of those brands actually. Yeah, 
<laughs> there's others, but we won't. You know, we're running short on time today, so we, we won't go into it in too much detail. But um, if if anyone that cruised on Crown Monarch or um, or, or the Norwegian um, Capricorn line when it was in in Australia, I'd be fascinated to hear what you thought of it. Mm, definitely, yeah. Just drop us a line or leave us a voice note. To, uh, that'd be uh, muchly appreciated. Now, anyway, let's just take a very quick break, and then we'll come back with the, the latest cruise news. Sounds good. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, it's me. Just wanted to say a big thank you for, for listening, liking, subscribing, and doing what you do to uh, support us. But there is one other way that you can support us, and it is greatly appreciated. It's just like shouting your mates a coffee in your local coffee shop, but this time it's virtual. You're sending a virtual coffee to myself and Chris, and you can do that via the website. It's uh, thebigcruisepodcast.com. Click on the, the blue coffee cup, or you can head to buy me a coffee and search for the Big Cruise Pod and uh, send us one that way. It starts at just $4, and every uh, donation is greatly appreciated. And in return, you'll get a little message every week giving you priority access to the podcast at the moment that it has gone live. So thanks in advance. We really do appreciate it. Okay, mate. First bit of news is all around the, the cancellation of a season uh, for Virgin Voyages, who are shortly about to complete their first season down here, which has been wildly popular, but unfortunately, uh, they won't be returning for the 24-25 Australian summer season um, for various different reasons. But uh, the, the reason that they're noting is, of course, the, the complications and uh, the ongoing difficulties in the Red Sea region. Mm. Um, and I guess repositioning via Africa with lots and lots of sea days um, is obviously yeah. not quite as attractive to the consumers. And it's also a very expensive uh, way of repositioning the ship as well. Well, that's just interesting, yeah, because when I was reading this, um, and, and there's lots of information that's come out, and a lot of our colleagues have been talking about it on, on socials and on um, LinkedIn and that sort of thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the main reason being cited, obviously, is the, the conflict in the Red Sea area. However, it did pop into my head that for, you know, centuries ships have been able to figure out how to get to australia via cape horn um and and cape town so there's two different ways you could get here um and uh so i I did wonder i was curious as to your your thought 
thoughts on this, Baz? Because it, it, it really does feel to me like there's more, there's more to it than that. Well, they actually took the sailings off sale a couple of weeks ago, um, mm-hmm. and I'd noticed. And in my heart of hearts, I hoped they were using it as an opportunity. They were still going to come back via Africa, um, but obviously it's a longer voyage, so it meant getting into Australia a bit later than they would normally mm-hmm. have planned to do so. So were they using that opportunity to change their deployment because obviously it was still spending quite a bit of time uh, while it was coming via Fremantle into Melbourne and Sydney and up to Brisbane, uh, but basically ultimately returning to Melbourne for most of the season. Um, I was hoping they were going to rejig things and maybe put the ship for a longer period out of Brisbane because mm. she is a warm weather ship. She she needs to be in a warm weather destination. Mm. Um, sailing across the Tasman isn't ideal when you're op- operating, you know, open air um Scarlet Knights and things like that. That's, um, that's, that's a question I had as well, though, because when you look at the itinerary, and again, with a number of the brands that are coming here, they've got these itineraries of these Australian-based coastal cruisers that go from the east coast, southern east coast um, city hubs down, down to Tasmania. Even in summertime, it's cold weather cruising compared to what you'd expect on a cruise ship. And you're in Australian waters with no potential of having any duty-free or that sort of thing because you're in a local you haven't left the Australian continent. Yep. Um, yep. And I just wonder if maybe the, the the actual impact of this is more to do with the itinerary choices that have impacted finances rather than the fact that the ship can't, can't get here. Because if you look at other cruise lines, like, like right now where the situation has been disrupted around the world um, with, the, with the Red Sea, um, I mean, I know she's a fast ship, right? Queen Mary too. I know she's a fast ship, but she's able to maintain her 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 Australian and Asian itineraries of her world cruise and reposition on her way back up through um, past Cape Cape Town rather than up through um, mm-hmm. the Red Sea. And I, I know she has a bit more speed than some of the others, but it, you know, maximum speeds of twenty four knots. Lots of things are possible when when they're doing their itinerary based around sort of seventeen knot cruising. So it, it was just a curious. It's a curious. Um, a decision <laughs> yeah I, th- I think cunard's well cunard's on a world cruise or a longer voyage of some mm. description um which their clients are kind of used to mm. mainstream cruise lines don't make money on reposition cruises it actually cost them more money to do the reposition which is why they they sell them at such a, a low rate just to attract mm. more and more clients onto it and hope that they make some money um in onboard revenue so sure. reposition cruises in general even across the atlantic are not uh are not uh generally um profitable for for most cruise lines but Cunard, you know and the 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 cruise lines that attract those longer type voyages probably they're the exception to that rule yeah i suppose the challenge for a brand like virgin is when they made such a a successful launch and Mm. such a huge amount of media interest um to to have to make a decision like this um during that in in the aftermath of that launch is it's a bit Mm. of a that must be a bit of a challenging thing for the yeah. for them there. So I suppose um, some some thoughts must go out to the team that probably dealing with a lot of complaints. Yeah, yeah, and they have said that they will be back. It's not that they're turning the back on Australia long term. They will be back. Uh, they just don't know um, in what season and in what way the deployment will look like. So I guess we sure. just have to watch this space. And if you are impacted by the the cancellation, then just reach out to your first mate or your travel agent, um, and uh, they can advise you of the the refund uh, options that are available to you. There you go. Now it's next bit of news is also about a redeployment because uh, this next cruise line also had ships that were based um, in the Middle East, so would have had to have gone through the, the Red Sea area. Um, MSC has uh, redeployed uh, one of their ships now through to the Canary Islands. Yes, exactly. So um, as you mentioned, it's uh, all to do with the, the ports that they were originally going to uh, 
uh, sail to being you know un, unsafe to sail to now inaccessible so it's the msc opera she'll be operating seven night itineraries um between the 3rd of november this year and the 16th of march next year mm. and um i guess australians probably don't even know where the canary islands are but there are a popular cruise destination for for europeans because they have great year-round weather they're just off the, they're actually a spanish territory but they're just off the coast of africa mm. so get year, really really good year-round weather and uh, in typical MSC style, you can embark in any one of the the ports that they visit. So if you are wanting to head uh, to Santa Cruz in Tenerife, you can embark on a Sunday. La Palma in Gran Canaria is on a Monday. Madeira in Funchal is on a Thursday or Friday. And Arecife um, is uh, embark port on a Saturday. So uh, great little options, particularly for our European friends. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that people in Europe really enjoy is that you go to islands off the coast of Africa and it's still in the euro. So you don't have <laughs> yep. to even worry about currency exchange. And it's tax-free as well. So it's actually cheaper than mainland Europe. Goodness. I wonder <laughs> it's so popular. <laughs> yeah. Um, next up, Holland America, talking about longer voyages. Holland America has announced their most ambitious world voyage to date, which will be departing in 2026. It's 132 days long, Chris. Yes, I love the way they refer to it as ambitious, <laughs> as if it's somehow, you know, an impossible feat that they have to try and overcome. But 132 days is is a long is a long world voyage, and yeah. um, I mean, it's probably like 30 days more than what sort of the standard is. Um, they're usually between 90 and 100 days, aren't they? The world cruise. Yeah, I think Hal generally averages out about 105 normally, yeah. but yeah, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a yeah, good month longer. So they they. This is, I guess, the juxtaposition of of the the previous conversation we were having about repositionings and cruise lines that that do just sort of um, port based cruises. Is that Holland America has for many years now had um, the, the following and the tradition of doing these global voyages. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they had uh, up until just recently they had the, the Princeton Dam, for example, which would spend years year round sort of long duration trips, and they've also done world cruises for many many years. So yeah. um, it's kind of an evolution of what they've been doing for for a long for a long time, and I I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be um, successful given their clientele that they've got. Mm. So they announced this voyage on board the Zeta Dam just uh, a couple of days ago with the Holland America president, Gus Antorcha. Um, this 2026 voyage will depart on the Volendam. As I said, 132 days. It departs uh, Fort Lauderdale on the 4th of January 2026. Mm. Uh, sees the, uh, heading down the east coast of South America, crossing, crossing the equator, heading to Antarctica, passing Easter Island, and then to the South Pacific, onto Australia. Up the east coast of Australia into Singapore, through to the Maldives, onto Egypt, ultimately ending up in the Med, through into northern Europe, and then crossing the Atlantic to get back to uh, Fort Lauderdale, visiting uh, 47 ports in 39 countries. So what about you, Baz? 132 days on one ship. Could you do it? I was, do you know what? I was thinking about this the other day um, when I read this about, well, not just this world voyage, but another. I always said that I didn't think I would be able to. I think it will probably be a little bit too long for me. Yeah. But I actually toyed with the idea of if you know, you, if work permitted and finance permitted, would I take the kids out of school and you know just head off on a big, long voyage around the world? Because it would be a great educational experience for the, for the kids as well. But um, yeah. yeah, finances don't permit at the minute, but maybe one day in the future, who knows? <laughs> it would be a great gig for a... Um, maritime history speaker to or mm. you know any of the guest lecturers who do the different topics 
to be yep. able to if if you had a topic that spanned the world and you could have a uh, hundred and thirty two days worth of different talks, you could just float around for a year, for half you know, half a year. But I, I personally, um, I, I anyone could do it, right? It's not <laughs> it's not <laughs> a hard thing to stay on a cruise ship. But I, I don't think um, I don't think I'd want to personally yet. I mean, I don't know is I, if I get older, I, I might change my mind. But uh, I think I would prefer to do. Um, those 132 days on different different ships in different time periods, so that we can spend some more time on land and explore the place oh, yeah, a little yeah. bit more in a little bit more yeah. detail. Yeah, fair play. But there's some people who love it. You do it year after year after year. You know, I met some people on board the Queen Victoria just recently who've done every single world cruise that the ship has done. That's 14 oh, yeah. world yeah. cruises. That's just unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> fair play, son. If they can, if they can afford it, and uh, <laughs> it, then then go for it. I say. Yeah. <laughs> um, next up, we've got a bit of news out of Princess. Of course, uh, they are talking all things Sun Princess, which is uh, preparing for its maiden voyage on twenty eighth mm. of Feb, which is actually yesterday at the time of recording. Yes, so she's already set sail. I've actually been seeing some, some comments and stuff coming out about her. What, what do you think? What do you think of the ship, Baz? From what you've seen. I don't know that the current princess guest will I appreciate it's not the right word. I just don't know if it's their typical princess cup of tea for those people that are diehard princess cruisers, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I wonder if they're going for a new market with the ship. I think it is. I think, yeah. It's definitely, I'm getting a lot of that kind of feedback from people that are regular princess travelers that I, that I speak, speak with or who watch the YouTube. Um, one of the most unusual looking ships in terms of the external design i must mm-hmm. say yeah. although that that is not an uncommon thing these days i feel like we're having a little bit of a trend at the moment of very odd looking um, cruise <laughs> ships that are coming out of the shipyards and um but uh it'd be very interested to hear um from people who are traveling on board the maiden season what they think of the ship and w- whether or not it's new princess or if it's been able to capture the the existing princess feel yeah and no, i think i think it's particularly my gut feeling is it's particularly targeting a new type of princess client mm. um you know they've got the, the the it's not a water pop but it's got kids more kids facilities on than princess have traditionally had um there's a lot more pay for dining and experiences mm. on board whereas princess was traditionally that little bit more uh, not all inclusive but you know there was lots more dining options that were included in the cruise fair i know that has changed across the entire fleet based on princess standard and princess plus um but yeah it'd be interesting to see what the the diehard cruisers think and if uh, if you are a diehard princess cruiser and uh, you are heading on board the sim princess let us know what you think sounds good and next uh up we're talking uh, all things carnival jubilee gwen stefani was uh, named as the, the the godmother um quite recently and uh They've uh, celebrated all things Texan in Texas with the naming ceremony, which is, which took place on the uh, 24th Feb. Yes, and also um, it coincided with the 100th birthday of the late Ted Arison, who founded... Oh, no, what a nice little touch. Yeah, kind of a cruise lines. And, of course, Jubilee was one of their original new builds, so mm. um, long since gone. Um, in fact, the, the ship um, itself was much smaller, about forty a gross tonnage of about 46,000 compared to this one, which is... Uh, um, you know, a very large ship um, mm-hmm. with about six thousand five hundred passengers and seventeen hundred crew. Um, yep. But uh, it's nice that they're bringing back some of the original names. So Carnival Jubilee. They've also got uh, Mardi Gras, which was the original, the original yeah. ship in the fleet. So um, it'll be nice to see those those 
lovely lovely names coming back into the fleet. Mm, exactly. Um, and not only did they undertake the, the usual um, naming ceremony activities, um, they also used the opportunity to uh, uh, raise more, mon- more money, more funds for St. Jude, which is one of their uh, charities very close to their heart. Um, they've announced that they've met their goal to raise $33 million, um, by 2024, and they've set a new pledge to raise $50 million by 2030. Mm-hmm. And uh, they also auctioned off uh, some uh, Parker and Bootco uh, cowboy boots, um, and raised over $25,000 for Operation Homefront, which supports military families in the, the Texas area. Very good. Mm, well done. Well done, Carnival. And uh, last in the news uh, this week, we're talking river cruising, and this time our friends at Arosa have announced that they've added an additional 50 new excursion options, which takes their touring options now to more than 650 across the regions that they cruise. It's amazing, isn't it? And they also... Um making a bit of an effort into creating small group options so yep. you get a bit more about uh one-on-one or intimate experience when you're on the tour because you know mm-hmm. i mean it's, it's not so bad with river cruising because the, the passenger numbers are smaller but sometimes on these shore excursions um mm. there's so many people trying to get on and off the ship and it, it does delay a lot of the time and when everyone arrives at the same place at the same time it can get quite crowded so yeah. i think this is yep. a really nice idea and i wonder actually that might be a good question for listeners um, is in relation to shore excursions because, again, since the reopening of cruising, and I don't know what you've noticed, Baz, but I hear so many more complaints from people about the quality of the shore excursion experience from oh, yeah. the tours being boring to the people being unprepared to the lines and the queues and that sort of thing. So what do what do listeners do? Do, do? do you do the shore tours? Do you pay for the cruise shore tours? Or, or are you increasingly more interested in just doing your own thing and, uh, and not worrying so much about the whole if, if you're late um, we'll leave without you because you can probably make your way back on time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's some ports of the world where you kind of have to because it's just logistically difficult or yeah, a long yeah, for sure. way. But yeah, there is increasingly, I think, more and more people that are, are doing their own thing, whether that's under their own power yeah. or whether they're, they're seeking somebody local to, yeah. to do things for them. Yeah, I was speaking yeah, to somebody, somebody recently who, who was telling me about a short tour that they'd done, I think it was late last year, and it was a um, sort of an unguided short tour to the city like sort of through the city so they, they would take you to different places through the city and then you could go and have some yep. time in each of these different places and uh, uh, the the quote um so it was in us us dollars but when you when you translated it to to australian dollars it was over a hundred dollars for this thing and then they mm-hmm. they got back and they're pretty disappointed and they did a little bit of like looking around on TripAdvisor and found that the same same tour to the same places was available for like a fraction of the price if it was booked locally mm-hmm. and that sort of just you know boiled their blood <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yes yeah i think a lot more people are doing a lot more of that research now It'll be interesting to see what um what people think yeah no definitely get in touch let us know what you're, you're thinking folks um and that my friend is all the news we've got this week oh it's more than last week yeah you, more than last week, we start. <laughs> you, you said um last week that it's possibly the shortest episode ever but it was Oh, it was almost exactly the same time as the episode the week before. When I oh, really? saw it. So it's like oh, we're we're sorry. We've we've been a bit distracted with me being away and um and uh, and Barry's been doing such a great job holding things together on his own. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the listeners like the short form format. Maybe maybe that's the way forward. If it is, let us know. Or do you prefer the the longer conversations that we we have when we're we're both here? Well, it'd be good to to get people's thoughts, I guess. Well, this one's 30 minutes, so it's double double the length of the last one. <laughs> yeah, no. I think when we get to like an hour and a half, then we're in trouble. Yeah, it needs to be long enough that you can listen to it on your drive to work, but not yeah. so long that you need to worry about what else you're going to listen to when 
when we stop halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, well, really good to, to chat once again. Good to have you back on land and uh, get things back to, to normal. And of course, uh, we'll be back uh, same time next week with uh, maybe a bit of maritime history, maybe uh, fact or fiction, listener question. Who knows? We'll see what uh, drops in the inbox over the week ahead. Yes, just jump over to um, chriscunard.com, which has got a contact form on it. That's my Cunard history website but it's got a really good contact form there and send me your fact or fictions for barry no 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 no. send them to me for chris no absolutely well you can send you can send the ones to me there as well because then i'll know what they are ahead of time (laughs) (laughs) no no it's it's time to it's time to get barry a fact or fiction now because i so terribly failed this week's one (laughs) oh i think it was pretty hard i think um, yeah it was a tricky one that was a tricky one it's the best one yet i think (laughs) awesome mate well you have a a good week and we'll chat same time next week take care mate that's all for today if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts or wherever you find your favourite podcasts until next time bon voyage Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.